All right, go ahead and take your seats if you would. In just a moment, we're going to say a prayer uh, for our offering. And so as you get your gift prepared uh, to give, uh, I also want to encourage you that during this time uh, to grab your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 5. Uh, that's where our, where our text will come from this morning. So as we're doing that, let's pray for our, for our time of giving. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and for this time. And God, I thank you for the fact that we now approach worship through the giving of our tithes and our offerings. And God, I pray that we've come prepared to present that acceptable gift unto you and that we've come to present it with great joy in our heart. And Father, thank you. Thank you for this church. Thank you for these people. Thank you for your word. And Father, may your word bring conviction and change into our lives today. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. i 
If you ask me, she's pretty awesome. <laughs> Let's do this, church. As we begin our time together, uh, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but the English word that we use for hypocrisy comes from a Greek word called actor. And that's one who wears a mask. So as we begin our time this morning, I wonder how many of us are wearing that mask today? How many of us are, are hiding behind a mask? I think within the church, the typical mask that we often find ourselves hiding behind is the mask that's called, I'm fine. I'm fine. People ask you, how you doing? How's it been? How's life? And we reply with, I'm fine. But in reality, we're afraid to let people see the brokenness and the hurt that we're currently experiencing. So instead of sharing that and becoming vulnerable, we put up that mask, we become the actor, we practice hypocrisy when we say, I'm good. Let's do this. Before we begin our looking at our text, let's have a word of prayer again for this time and for the challenge that lies ahead of us. And as I pray... I'm curious, how many of you would be honest enough to say, this morning I'm hiding behind a mask? I'm afraid of letting other people see my heart. I'm afraid of letting them see and understand my circumstance. I'm afraid of anyone discovering the secret sin that has me so enchained in life. And so this morning, I'm an actor hiding behind a mask, working hard to keep from other people from discovering the true me. Just curious, if that's you, we're praying, heads bowed, eyes closed. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Give me some indication of that mask that you were wearing. Thank you. Put them down. My challenge for you is to where you're at in this moment, to take that mask off, set it aside, so that you can receive the Word of God into your life today. And Father... Help us during this time. May your word accomplish its purpose in our lives today. May I get out of the way so the Holy Spirit can work and speak through me. And God, may you be pleased by the decisions that we make. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Your Bible should be open to John chapter 5. I hope that they are. Unlike many of the other services since I've been here, this morning, we're going to find ourselves in one and only passage of Scripture. That's it. So, open your Bibles, John chapter 5. You don't have to worry about me going anywhere else. We're staying here. John chapter 5 is a beautiful story of Jesus and this encounter that he has with a crippled man by a pool of Bethesda. 
And so I want to begin by looking at verse number 2. Let's read verses 2 through 5. It says, Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roof colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. Okay, so hang on a second before we go further. We're about to see an encounter that Jesus has with this particular invalid. But before we do that, we need to understand what the scene is here. So what do we know from what we've already read is that here we see that there's this certain man that is camped out there at the pool of Bethesda. And so why is that significant? Well, it's significant because we need to understand that at that time, what would happen is many, and the text tells us, those that were blind, lame, and paralyzed, they would gather around this pool. Why? Because their belief was that at certain random times, an angel of the Lord would come down and touch the waters that was in that pool. And when the angel of the Lord stirred the water, then the first person in would receive healing. And so that's the scene. And so Jesus approaches a person who is obviously crippled. Perhaps he has uh, the paraphernalia around him that would have been common for someone who was crippled and, and depending uh, upon others for a living. Maybe he had a mat on which he lied upon. Perhaps he, he had a collection plate nearby so that he could receive alms from those that would take pity upon him. We don't know, but maybe he had a crutch that he was able to use. But what we know is, on this scene, we have this man who, who needs help, he needs assistance, he's crippled in some capacity, and so we're going to see this conversation, the conversation that he has with our Lord. In this conversation, there are three parts to the conversation. The conversation begins in verse number 6 with a crazy question. Look at verse number 6. It says, When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there for a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? Now Jesus was talking to him. He had learned that, that this person had been in this condition for at least 38 years of his life. Add this to the fact that he's hanging out in this area that was known for its, its healing. And we can now begin to get this sense of just how crazy of a question it would be for Jesus to look upon the crippled man and ask him, do you want to get well? I mean, to me, it rivals one of the all-time favorite questions my father used to ask me, David, do you want to get a spanking? I mean, the answer to the question seems obvious. No, Dad, thank you, I'm good. But maybe, maybe the question, do you want to be healed, isn't such a crazy question as it seems. Consider for a moment that here is a man that has been invalid for 38 years of his life. All that time he had to rely upon the kindness of other people 
in order for him uh, to make it in life. And then consider, if, if he were uh, to get well, then he would begin to have to start earning his own way. He would have no other excuse for his circumstance or his situation. The responsibility would all be his. So the question, do you want to get healed, maybe wasn't such a crazy question at all. Maybe it is the question that pierced to the very heart of that man's heart. The very, the very center, the very, the very depth. Maybe it was the question that exposed his, his motives in life. I mean, what about us? Do you want to get well? I mean, what was your response to that question? I mean, think about it. We are gathered here, and there are many of us who are crippled by our past. Some of us are crippled by our current circumstance. Some of us are crippled because of our sin. And what would Jesus say to you? I think Jesus asked us the same thing that he asked this man. And his question for us today is, do you want to get better? Do you want to be healed? Or would you rather hold on to the hurt? Is it easier to let the bitterness fester in your life? Is it easier to wallow in the hurt and the betrayal that you've experienced all the while licking and liking your wounds? All too often, we hold on too tightly to the things that uh, paralyze us spiritually. Jesus can set us free of those things. He can bring healing into our lives, but, but when he does, then we'll no longer be with excuse. We'll no longer be able to say, it's not my fault, but they did it. We'll no longer be able to cry, I don't have help. I don't, I, I'm not to blame for any of this. This question on this day begins with a crazy question. Do you want to get well? And to us today, let me put it this way, if you are here this morning and you're crippled by past hurt, I believe Jesus asked you, do you want to get well? To the one that is chained with secret sin, Jesus asked you, do you want to be free? To the person that's battling addictions, Whatever form it is, I believe Jesus asks you, do you want to overcome? To the person who has yet to surrender their life unto the Savior, Jesus asks you, do you want to be saved? To all of us who are in need of his healing touch in some way, in some capacity in our lives, Jesus asks us, do you want to get well? And the man's response to the question brings us to the second part of the conversation. Look with me in verse number 7. It starts with a crazy question, and then the second part is nothing but a lame excuse. Look at verse 7. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. 
want you to notice that the man didn't answer Jesus' question at all. He simply offered an excuse as to why he hadn't been healed. He says, I'm all alone. I got nobody here to help me. Someone always seems to beat me. I mean, you can't help but to feel sorry for the individual. I understand that. Alone in the world, his family having either deserted him or having died. Lonely, and he's crippled, and he cries out, Sir, I have no one to help me. It's a tragic cry. But make no mistake, it still didn't answer the question. It, it, it still amounts to just an empty excuse. To say that there's no one here to help me is also to say, I can't do anything about it myself. And God, he's not doing anything about it either. What about you? When Jesus asked you, do you want to get well? What's your response? When Jesus asked you, do you want to be healed from your past hurt, from the past pain that you've experienced and that you've been carrying around, do you respond? But you don't understand just how bad they hurt me. You don't understand just how how mean and ugly they were to me. For you that is crippled by your secret sin, when Jesus asked you, Do you want to be free? Do you counter with, I just can't control myself? I'm not to blame for the one battling addiction. And Jesus says, do you want to to overcome? Do you reply, it's an illness. It's a sickness. I'm not to blame. Jesus said to the cripple, do you want to get well? And he replied, I don't have anybody to put me in. We say this, to receive the healing that Jesus has for our lives, we must be willing to put aside our excuses. We've got to stop with the excuses. Fortunately, in this circumstance, Jesus looked beyond his lame excuse, which brings us to the third part of his conversation. Look at verse number 8. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed, and walk. And then verse 9, and at once the man was healed. He took up his bed and walked. Jesus, I believe, brings healing to us today in the same way he did back then. He didn't come accepting his excuses and moan back to the man, oh, poor guy. No, instead, with a message of life and vitality, he said to the crippled man by the pool, get up and walk. I like to refer to it as the gospel according to Nike. Just do it. Come on. Just get up and walk. The man complained, I don't have anybody. But in Jesus, you really do have somebody. And you don't have somebody that's going to drag you around on your mat of self-pity. No, you have somebody that can bring life and healing into your circumstance today. Now let me be clear. I'm not trying to present this prosperity gospel. I'm not going there. I'm not this name it and claim it, which I refer to as blab it and grab it mentality that's leading so many people astray is not what it's talked about here. It's not. 
This healing is 100% by the power of God and 100% in accordance to the plan of God. Therefore, it is all of Christ. It is all by the grace of God. But there is a human factor of responsibility here. Go with me here. Think about it. Who healed the man at the pool? One person. Go on. Who healed the man at the pool? Yeah, who had to get up and walk? The man did. Who saves us from our sins? Yeah, the answer is Jesus. Come on, church. And if we don't know that answer, like, where are we, what are we doing? Who saves us from our sins? Yeah, but who must confess, repent, and cry out to him? Right. So, so who forgives us and gives us the power to live above sin? Yeah. But who must make the decision day by day, moment by moment, to live our lives in the accordance to the Word of God and the will of God? We do. It would have been easy for this man to laugh at Jesus and dismiss him as some kind of nut. It takes more strength and courage to obey his impossible instruction than it does to, to hold on to the hurt. The, the whole scene begins with Jesus approaching a man and asks the crazy question, do you want to be healed? To which the man responds with just a, a lame excuse, Sir, I ain't got nobody to put me in the water. And somebody always seems to beat me to it. And then Jesus gives him that third part of the instruction was the impossible instruction. Jesus simply commands him, get up and walk. There's no doubt in my mind that many of us are here today and we need to, to obey that impossible instruction for our own lives. For those of you that are holding on to the hurt of betrayal, Jesus' words to you is to forgive. To forgive. But pastor, you don't understand how bad they hurt me. You're right. I don't. But we're not given options as to gives us the freedom to pick and choose who we're going to forgive and when we're going to forgive them. We forgive everyone all the time, every single time. Why? Because that's what Christ does for us. And as recipients of his forgiveness into our lives, we're to also extend that forgiveness to other people. For those of you that are struggling with addiction, whether it's alcohol, drugs, pornography, chocolate, whatever, Like some of you are addicted to Facebook, and you just need to delete it off of your phone. Heaven's sake. If you can't live without it, without it just making you cringe, then you need to consider, you got an addiction, and that's a problem. For those of you that are chained with addiction, leave the excuses behind. Walk a new path. Receive the healing that he wants to bring into your life. 
You want to know how I'm confident that Jesus can heal and to restore you in your circumstance, in your situation, how he can give you strength to overcome the addiction that you have in your life because it's all according to the will of God. Mapped out for us in the word of God. Now, I can't say with confidence if Jesus wants to heal you physically of whatever condition it is that you have. I don't know. There's nothing wrong in praying for it and seeking after it and crying out to him. And it will happen if it's according to his will. But what I do know that is in accordance to his will is that we must be a group of people that forgive one another. We must be a group of people that are stronger, that can overcome the temptation and and, and, uh, the addictions in life. And we're given the promise of that in Scripture. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We have the power if you're a child of the king because you have the Holy Spirit that dwells within you. So you don't just have power, you have Holy Spirit power. Now that's some amazing stuff. But what are we doing to activate the Holy Spirit power that's in us? Let me give you a hint. It takes no power for you to come week in and week out and just sit in a pew and never engage in ministry or or seek to make a difference for the kingdom of God. That doesn't take any power to do that. We're to move. We're to be involved. We're to be engaged. We're to understand how God has gifted us, and we're to put those gifts into service unto him. That takes power. And to give clarity, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, often misquoted all the time, misapplied all the time. It's not about winning a football game or a soccer match. or It's nothing about that. That verse is telling us is that God will give you the strength to carry out the task that he has assigned to you. If you'll be obedient to follow the path that he's laid out for you, then you'll have the strength that you need to overcome any of the obstacles that are in your way. It's not that you can have the strength to do your own thing. It's so that you can have your strength doing God's thing. And here's this man crippled among the multitude of the invalid, and the Savior comes up to him and looks at him. He doesn't take pity on him as, oh, poor guy. He simply asks him, do you want to get healed? And the man responds, oh, I don't have anybody. I've got nobody. But in Jesus, you have all that you ever need. He's all that we need. I'm blessed with a wonderful family. But something can happen and change that in an instant. And I'm going to be good because i got Jesus. He's on my side. I'm going to stick to his side no matter what. So whatever circumstance or situation I face in my life, I want to be rooted in the love of the Father, committing myself unto him, being disciplined to study his word and to apply that word into my life. For the hypocrites, I know we don't like that word. Okay, for the actors that are here, hiding behind your mask, like enough. We don't have to hide behind masks in front of each other. We're family. Stop pretending to be something that you're not. Allow others to see the heart. Allow others to enter into your life so that they can bring encouragement along the way. Stop pretending to be something that you're not. 
Allow Jesus to bring the healing into your life, to set you free from the things of your past so that you will no longer have an excuse so that you can run after his will. May we become that type of people. I hope that you'll join me in making a commitment of lifelong service unto the King. I said it last week jokingly, but I also mean it seriously, that you, you know you're done with ministry when God calls you to be home. So as long as you have life, as long as you have breath, and you have purpose, and, and you have a ministry to, to do and to pursue, I wish that we would understand and embrace that. In fact, of the matter is when we're not pursuing the things that God has called us to, we bring great confusion uh, into the world. Our, our world is torn apart with hostility and bitterness and, and frustration. We're easily offended at all kinds of things. We're always looking to, to enter into a debate with somebody. It feels as though... One person could do one thing that is clearly wrong, and then four years later, depending on who's in power, another person could do something that was wrong. The person who was wrong in the first place now condemns the person that's wrong in the second place. And it's like, I didn't do it. It's just a mess. It's a mess. Some of us would, would say, oh, Pastor, be careful. Don't go political or anything like that. And I'm like, I'm not trying to be political. I, I don't. But I don't know how to separate the two because my faith guides what I believe and how I practice that. And for you to tell me not to be political about something means that you need to tell me that you want me to set my faith aside so that I can look at something outside of a biblical perspective. I can't do that. I can't disengage between the two. So we'll carefully and tactfully deal with the issues that we face today. And we have no reason to apologize for any of that. But we need to know who we are. Are you a child of the king? Contrary to what everybody loves to say, oh, we're all God's children. No, we're not. Read the scriptures. You're either the children of the devil or you're a child of God. And the only way that you can no longer become a child of the devil and are adopted into the family of God is through faith in Jesus Christ. So not everybody's a child of God. Know who you are. Understand that. And if you are a child of God, then take the message of love and hope and grace and mercy and share it with everybody. And hoping that eventually they'll make a decision to also enter into our family. When they do, let's love and encourage and let's know that we can come here and we don't have to be an actor anymore. We can be who we are. And the days that are good, we'll celebrate. And the days that are bad, we will encourage, we'll wrap around each other with prayer and support so that we know that when we leave this place, we can stand in confidence and boldness and do what God has called us to do. Will you do that in life? Let's pray. As we pray and as we move into our time of invitation, just consider, will you continue to hold on to the things that hold you back? Will you continue to offer the same old excuses for your life, for your circumstance, for your sin? Or will you listen 
to the instruction of Jesus and reach for what is beyond yourself. Will you get up and walk? Father, help us during this time. May you be pleased by what we decide to do in this moment. For those that are holding on to the hurt of their past, may today be a day of release, of forgiveness. For those that are crippled by their current circumstance, maybe today is a great day to take our mask and set them aside and to allow others into our world. For those that are wrapped up with sin, 